Tell me who's that, right? John the Revelator, tell me who's that, right? John the Revelator, tell me who's that, right? John the Revelator wrote the book of the Seven Seals. Well, here we are at the end of the book of Revelation, and we will literally hear God's last words. So join us. Come on in. Let's get the last perfect picture that God is going to leave us with in the book of Revelation, chapter 21 to 22. Come on in. So glad you're here at the Biblical Channel. If you like what we do, then like it, share it. We're now not only on the YouTube, but we are also on uh, Apple Podcast. We're also on Spotify, and we're trying to make it easier for people to just, you know, hear the Bible talked about in the way that it should be talked about. That's our aim and ambition because that's what God's aim and ambition is, is to leave us something to talk about so that we would have our hearts warmed by God on a continual basis. And so the, the Word of God, the Bible itself, works like nothing else does. It rings the chamois of humanity for all of its goodness and helps us to keep our clear head on our shoulders. Um, and, and, when we hone in on it the right way, it always brings comfort and relaxation to our lives because God's big picture is definitely a comfort to our lives. So here we are in the last two chapters of the book of Revelation, and uh, we're not going to be able to read it all like usual. We'll read it as we go. But before we read, let's indeed pray just the way that Jesus taught us how to pray. Our Father who is in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread. Forgive us our sins as we forgive those who have sins against us. And lead us not into temptation. Deliver us from evil. In fact, Lord, we look forward to you delivering this whole world from evil. And you said you will. And I believe you. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. 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 So uh, Revelation chapter 21 to 22, if we just do a quick, you know, uh, review of where we've been, we opened up with John, the apostle, um, telling us that there is one last word. Um, and this last word, the book of Revelation, is going to function as a conclusion. If you know anything about good writing, a, co a good conclusion does not introduce anything new. It just simply um, ties everything together and, and wraps it up and, and leaves the final scene exactly what you would expect it to be. And, and so the book of Revelation has been functioning as a conclusion uh, to the Bible. And we're going to hear how John ties these last two chapters into where it all began in Genesis chapter 1. And so John has been taken on this incredible wild journey um, into the heavens. Um, he's been led by an angel. 
uh, for the express purpose of seeing, seeing what's going on in heaven. And so chapter four and five made it very clear that what's going on in heaven is a big celebration about the Lord Jesus Christ. Always. It's always going on. If you want to know what's going on, where God is, then you will find out that there's this wonderful party fist pumping. Everybody is still excited about the death and resurrection of Jesus. Yeah, for us, it's been 2000 years, but God and the heavens have never lost an ounce of excitement for the gospel of Jesus Christ, his death and his resurrection. And it's that death and resurrection of Jesus that makes him boss. It makes him king of the world. That's Bible logic. I get it. It's not the world's logic, but the Bible's logic is is that this world needs saved. This world needs forgiven and this world needs God. And that's been the whole entire focus of the book of Revelation, but it's also been the whole entire focus of the whole of the Bible. And the book of Revelation just concludes it. It concludes it. So if you're reading the book of Revelation and you're worried, well, you shouldn't worry. Maybe you need to repent. Well, if you do repent, then stop worrying. And if you read the book of Revelation because, oh, you're so worried about taking on the mark and these kind of things, then you're reading it wrong. Because the book of Revelation from chapter 6 to 16 works as this oscillation between the evils of this world and what's behind the curtain of what we see is a spiritual evil as well. And then we keep oscillating to what's going on in heaven. And it's perfectly calm there everything is good in heaven back to earth chaos tyranny persecutions um, you know destruction keep oscillating back to heaven everything's cool in heaven to give us a peace of mind that heaven is completely aware of what is going on here on earth we may at times think does god know what's going on here the answer is according to the book of revelation yeah he totally gets it he totally knows what's going on and that should function as a huge relief for us because sometimes we just forget the fact that God does know what's going on and he's still calling us to trust in him to be conquerors and that's what we'll get into in a moment so anyhow the whole purpose of the Bible and the whole purpose of God is to is is for you to ask the question hey what's the main thing what's the big idea what's what is the main thing for me God and God would simply say your forgiveness that's what's important. That's the main thing that I'm focused on is your forgiveness so that we can be in a great relationship so that we can be back where we should be. And once again, that picture emerges in chapter 20. So let's just get right into it and let's uh, take a look at how, you know, chapter, I'm sorry, 21, chapter 21 opens up. And I think the first things we need to hear are, then I saw a new heaven, a new earth. The first heaven and the first earth had passed away. But more importantly than that is the fact that now, now that the new heaven and the new earth are here, now, behold, the dwelling place of God is with man. He will dwell with them. They will be his people. God himself will be with them as their God. He will wipe away tears from their eyes. Death shall be no more. Neither shall there be mourning, nor crying, nor pain anymore, for the former things have passed away. That's the picture. That's the picture that 
we need to get firmly in our minds all the time. That's the end. That's the the inside information, and it's no secret. It's the worst kept secret ever. Uh, but God wants everybody to have this inside information that this is where everything is going. This place is going to be remade. Even the heavens will not survive. You see, there is something righteous about even the very place where evil seemed to exist or did exist has to be done away with. And if it drives the world crazy that God made the world to begin with, then it's certainly going to drive them crazy that God is going to remake the world. But the whole point of God remaking the world is so that it can get back to where it should be. And where it should be is in God's goodness. And God's goodness is all about what God intended from the beginning to be dwelling with man. So yeah, the imagery of the garden is going to be profound in these last two chapters of the book of Revelation. The 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 garden scene, you know, is what we, you know, wanted to see continue, but then then came to an abrupt ending in Genesis chapter 3. But we liked the fact that God was, you know, walking with Adam in the cool of the day. The book of Revelation ends with a clear picture that God is not just walking with Adam in the cool of the day. He's walking with us. He is walking with us. He's in the middle of everything that we're doing. That's the way we were designed. We were designed to be with God. We were designed to be in a relationship with God. And the only way for us to be in that relationship with God is through forgiveness. And so here's the picture. This is how it ends. And then the one who is seated on the throne in verse five says, behold, I'm making all things new. I'm the alpha, the omega, the beginning to the end, to the thirsty, that, that river of life is yours. It never ends and it is free. The river of life is free, a charge, but no more, no more will there be that exhaustion from this world, the exhaustion that comes from the cowardly, the faithless, the, the detestable, the murderers, the sexually immoral, the sorcerers, the idolaters, the liars, they're the ones who bring this world to exhaustion, to, to bring us all to the point of panting, dry mouth, all of that. But remember, Jesus made it very clear in his lifetime that he was the river of life. And so it's no big surprise that we see this river of life, this water of life being portrayed as now permanently available. We will never thirst again. And don't be surprised that, you know, this new place cannot be a place where, you know, that list and of that list, I've been every one of them except two. So guess what? That makes me nervous until I remember that the whole point of God and Jesus Christ in his death and resurrection was to bring me forgiveness. There is absolutely nothing that God cannot forgive and make right when we repent and turn to him. Repent means to turn away from and to something else. Turn away from rebelling against God. Turn away from all of these things, the cowardly, the faithless, the detestable, the murderous, sexual, immoral, immoral, the sorcerers, the idolaters, the liars. Turn away from that and turn to God. See, repentance is, is just that easy. Just turn to God and trust that God 
can now work it out. And, and it's to those who repent that all of this is now ours. We're the conquerors. All we have to do is repent and put our trust in God, to put our trust in Jesus Christ for our forgiveness. Yeah, that's all we got to do. And we are conquerors and we get this whole heritage, this whole remake of heaven and earth that will now be together as it was made to be with God in our lives in a real way, not an imagined way, but in a real way. That has been the game plan from the beginning. And so the uh, uh, one of the seven angels comes to John and, and now says, come, I'm going to show you the bride and the wife of the lamb. And, and the picture we have is now turned into a city. We're like, whoa, 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 whoa. I thought the bride was supposed to be people. And, and now we're talking about a city, Jerusalem coming down out of heaven. And that, that is for, you know, for us to see, we're supposed to see that the real city of God that that's coming out of heaven to earth, is not a city at all. It's the people. It's the people of God. That has been the object of God's desire from the very beginning. So I think it's wonderful. The ladies, yes, in, in verse seven, the one who conquers will have this heritage and I will be his God and he will be my son, it says. So the ladies, yes, you are going to be sons of God. And now for the men, come, I will show you the bride, the wife of the lamb. The men, yes, we are the wife of the lamb. And the city, it's not a city city. So if you're thinking of, of a city city, you're thinking about the wrong thing. It's actually the people. It's the people of the storyline. And this city is made of uh, 12s. The 12s keep coming up, 12 gates. You know, there's 12 angels, 12 tribes, you know, 12 apostles. The word of God, the storyline of the word of God has, has come through the 12 tribes of Israel and the 12 apostles. And it was the words that, of God that came out of the 12 tribes of Israel, that came out of the 12 apostles that Jesus picked, that gathered people to repentance and gathered them together exactly where God wanted them. And that is for them to be in his midst, to be married to him, to be his family, to be sons of God, to be the bride of Christ. I love it how, you know, all the, the, the gender hostilities of this world go away in this final scene where indeed we are all, we are all called into God with all of the male and female imagery to form this very intimate picture of what we're supposed to be. And that is we are supposed to be dwelling with God. We are supposed to be his people. He's supposed to be dwelling with us. And that's exactly where God is taking it. So then we have uh, verse 15 to uh, 21. And we, you know, we get all kinds of crazy measurements, measurements that I'm not familiar with. I'm sure, you know, we could work it out. But if all of a sudden you're trying to, you know, figure out how big this place is, you once again have gotten off onto the wrong track because it's just meant to fill your imagination. When you hear of a wall being built of Jasper, while the city was pure gold and like clear glass, that's not something you can paint. That's not something that you can nail down. That is supposed to fill, all of this imagery is supposed to fill our imagination with the fact that what is coming in God remaking the world is simply 
hard to describe. It's so good, it's simply hard to describe. And then we hear in chapter, uh, verse 22, I saw no temple. There's no temple. Why isn't there any temple? Because it was never meant to be a temple. A temple on earth was only forming a, kind of a concrete you know, object lesson for humanity that we needed God's presence. So in the storyline of Israel, that temple was the place where God promised his presence. And then Jesus comes along and he says, this temple this temple is going to be torn down and, 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 and built back up in three days, meaning that he's the temple. You see, we were never meant to go to a temple. And so in the final remake of the world, it's no surprise there's no temple here. There's no temple at all because the temple is the presence of God. And so, indeed, we with God have no need for a temple. That's crazy. And the also the other thing that comes to, to our um, imagination is that all nations, all kings of the earth are being brought into their glory once and for all. So all the ethnic groups of the world are now coming into play exactly the way God had intended it from. Well, it was very clear from the beginning. But in Genesis chapter 12, when God started this clear plan with Abraham and his children, who would later become his grandchildren, would become the, the 12 tribes of Israel. He made it very clear that his plan in Genesis chapter 12, verse 1 to 3, was to bless the peoples of the earth, to bless the nations of the earth. The word people and nations are the same word. And so here we see in chapter 21 that the plan came together when the new heavens and the new earth come together we see that all ethnicities all peoples no matter what their skin color and all those things that divided us all of that is gone and now we're all together Nothing unclean can now enter. Um, everything that used to be detestable and false is now put off permanently. The only ones who are there are those who's got their name written in the Lamb's Book of Life. And who controls whose name's written in the Lamb's Book of Life? The Lamb, Jesus, the Lane, the Lamb who was slain. He's the one who controls that. And so the angel then takes John and shows him this river of light, life that is bright as crystal flowing from the throne of God and the Lamb and the streets. You know, it's, everything's beautiful. But then we see that the real point of this river is, is that the tree of life is now in full bloom. The tree of life is on every side of the river of life. And so this river of life and the tree of life is exactly what we imagined back in that garden scene in chapter two of Genesis. And once again, it's all come together as planned. The tree of life has been returned to us. I don't know what this tree looks like. It's certainly not an apple tree. Um, and the tree of life is in full bloom and, and it's available to us. No longer will the accursed, um, you know, keep us from the tree of life. No longer will anything stop us from the tree of life. It will now be a permanent fixture in our lives, which is just the picture that God is ending with. Where he started in Genesis chapter one and chapter two is where he ends with the remaking of this place exactly the way he wanted it. And it's important to understand God is getting his way. God will get his way. We should know that.
We do know that. And uh, um, we hear, behold, I'm coming soon. Blessed is the one who keeps the words of the prophecy of this book. And then it just cracks me up again. John falls down and tries to worship the uh, the, the feet of the angel, which I would too, and you would too, because this scenery is so overwhelming that you feel like that's the right thing to do. But the angel says, get up, man, just get up. You know, don't worship that. You've got God now. You've got God. That's who you worship. You worship God. You don't worship, you know, anything else other than God. Get up, man. I am a fellow servant with you and your brothers and the prophets those who keep the words of this book worship God, man. Once again, just cracks me up because that is the character of the apostles. They always reveal how they get something wrong, you know? And so even in this great and glorious moment, you know, John is still a human being just like us. And he does what we'd probably do too. But it's great news to hear. Get up, man. Get up. Worship God. Don't, 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 don't fall down on my feet. This is crazy. Don't worship an angel's feet. That, that's crazy talk. And again, we hear the words, um, let the evildoer still do evil and the filthy still be filthy and the righteous still do right and the holy still be holy. It creates a very clear picture of what John meant when he read this or you know, wrote this book and what Jesus meant when he gave John this revelation is that life is going to continue. The evildoer is still going to do evil. The filthy are still going to be filthy and the righteous are still going to be holy and stay holy. Okay. So the message of the book of revelation, one of its you know biggest messages is that God is very, very aware that the evils of this world still continue. The only reason why he lets them continue is so that the message of salvation can keep going out and it keeps going out and more and more people do respond to the gospel of Christ. If you haven't responded to the gospel of Jesus Christ, do it, man. Don't waste any more time. Change your life, change your direction, get in the right place. But if you have, be comforted in all of this. And then in verse 14, blessed are those who wash their robes that they might have the right to the tree of life and they may enter the city by its gates outside. That's where the dogs and the sorcerers and the sexually immoral and the murderers and the idolaters and everyone who loves and practices falsehood is going to be. We are no longer going to be tortured by the evils of this world because they are gone. They are permanently removed. And imagine what kind of successes we can have, um, in God's creation, if we are free from evil, I, we can't even imagine it. We, we so have to imagine evil coexisting with us that we just can't even begin to imagine what it might be like to not have evil um, coexisting in the middle of us. I think back, I, I teach, uh, when I teach my kids uh, U.S. history, I, I like to bring up the fact that, you know, of course, we get to the Industrial Revolution um, late in the, the year. And I point out in the beginning of the year, I said, listen, China had the Industrial Revolution actually in the 11, like 1100 AD. And I asked them to imagine, imagine if, and, and China's response, the Chinese government, when they found out about this Industrial Revolution, the melting and the refining of steel that was going on in North China, what the, what the government did was they, they crushed it. They put an end to it. They did not want people benefiting from this. They, they wanted people to be in complete dependence of the government. And so they crushed it. Could you imagine where we would have been 
if that industrial revolution was allowed to just get going. I tell them, I tell my kids this, I said, listen, it only took from the industrial revolution of, you know, the 1800s to, you know, the, the, you know, two thousands is when we got the cell phone. Can you, that was only you know, like a couple hundred years that it took to get to the cell phone. Can you imagine if humanity would have had a cell phone, you know, because we let the, because China let the industrial revolution, you know, keep going, human beings could have had the cell phone in the year like 1300. My point is this, imagine, imagine our accomplishments. Imagine the, 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 the world if it was free from evil. And, and the God who loves creation loves us to be creators too and is there with us. And can you imagine if God is there partnering with us in our creative efforts, how much further, how much more developed, how wild and wonderful this world would really be if evil did not get in the way. That is the picture, the perfect picture that God is leaving us with. In the book of Revelation, it is so important that we have a clear picture that God understands the evils of this world are continuing and God understands that the evils of this world are going away so that his creation can be what he wanted it to be, which is beyond our wildest imagination. I guarantee you cannot imagine how good God intends your life to be. The book of Revelation is, is wild in its imagery so that you couldn't possibly put it into a painting. And if you did put it into a painting, it's wrong because it, it's just it's the kind of wording that sparks endless imaginations as to how good things could actually be. And again, the book you know kind of starts winding down with the assurance that Jesus is, you know, the one who is the true king of the world, speaking to us, telling us to hang in there. He is the root of David. He is the centerpiece of the storyline of the 12 tribes of Israel, just like he said when he was alive. And he is the conclusion and the complete picture of who is the genuine ruler of this world because of his death and resurrection. And then he ends by saying, he who testifies to these things, surely I am coming soon. Amen. Lord Jesus. Amen. You see, it is so important that Christians get this right. We are supposed to live today like Jesus is coming back today. And we are you know, supposed to be understanding when he doesn't come back today because we know that another day of forgiveness is being extended to mankind. But it is supposed to be on our lips, the confident assurance that Jesus is coming soon. And when Jesus comes back the next time, all evil is done away with. It's over. It's done. So when he doesn't come back, we're not scratching our heads saying, why didn't he come back? we actually scratch our heads and say, well, it's time for another day to say, surely Jesus is coming back today. You see, living like Jesus is coming back today, coming back soon, puts us in the right frame of mind every day. But when he doesn't come back today, 
We're not supposed to be driven crazy by that. We're not supposed to hold God in contempt for that. We're supposed to see how patient and loving and caring God really is to allow his gospel news to get out there even further into more generations to come. And if Jesus doesn't come back for thousands more years, so be it. But I'm going to live today and any other day like he is coming soon. And so that's the key to the book of Revelation and the testimony when it says, you know, testify to these things and don't change these things. Testify saying, surely Jesus is coming back soon. Because that's what Jesus taught when he was alive as well. Whenever he was walking, Mark chapter 13 is Jesus making it very clear to live like it's going to come to an end today. Like the new beginning is today. Don't, don't put it off saying, well, I'm going to live like, you know, well, the outsiders, the dogs, the sorcerers, the sexually immoral, the murderers, the idolaters, because, because the risk is, is that your heart is hardened, that your hard heart might dare to say, well, I don't want the forgiveness of Jesus, which is the mark of the beast. When people say, I don't want the forgiveness of Jesus, they'll take any mark that the beast has to offer. And that's where saying to ourselves every day, surely Jesus is coming back today, keeps us in the right frame of mind, focused on the same things that heaven is focused on right now. And that is the grace of the Lord Jesus Christ being with us all. And those are the last lines of the book of Revelation. Amen. <music>